0: that
1: that kiss that jump 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 yeah just that jump jump man jump man jump man start light one Just that jump man jump man jump man jump man two for like ov. Just that jump man jump man jump man jump man shoot my shot down this that jump man, jump man, jump man, jump man, right around swallow my trees. This that jump man, jump man, jump man, jump man, sunlight wood in This that jump man, jump man, jump man, jump man, keep full like Kobe, just that jump man, jump man, jump man, jump man, shoot my shot dance Just that jump man, jump man, jump man, jump man, right around swing my trees, keep and usually, like, go. How many greatest ever do it? They don't know it. Straight from the streets where the shots can't blow. I came from
2: the bottom where they hit to see you blown. This is 1252 Sports Chicago. What's up everybody and welcome back to a very special episode of Turtles Take here on 1252 Sports Chicago. With me tonight is Angelo Ace Camacho, aka Fat Mike's heterosexual love partner. Or whatever they say, but Angelo, life how life heterosexual life mate. Angelo, yeah. how are we doing tonight, man?
1: Good hey man, how are you?
2: Doing good, man. It's been a long week. Uh, Lots happened here in Chicago recently, and I'm excited to dive in. We're going to be talking a little bit of of both baseball teams. We're going to touch on the Cubs as well as the White Sox. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit of Bears because we got to see a little bit of that 1920 football drive was released yesterday. We got to see a little behind the scenes with the draft process as well as some on-field work. And, of course, we got the NFL or the NBA playoffs, excuse me, and the fact that LeBron James has been knocked out of the first round—that's always a beauty. So, so got happy. a lot to got a lot to talk about tonight, guys. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we are guest free tonight, so please be sure to be interactive in the chat. Yep. Uh, j- jump on the YouTube and the Twitch and comment. We will throw your comments up, and we'll chalk it up, guys. With Hell that yeah. being with that being said, Angelo, I want to move right into the Cubs. <laughs> It, it's crazy to think at the beginning of the season, we had such low expectations for this Cubs team. And now to see them sitting in first place is obviously exceeded everyone's expectations, but not just that they're doing it with a bullpen that we thought was going to be atrocious. So what's your thoughts on where this Cubs team's at Angelo and the current state of the bullpen?
1: Oh man. So Right now, or at least it was. I don't know if it still is uh, statistically, but before yesterday, the Cubs, I believe, had the best bullpen in the entire month of May. So going into the season, we thought that that was going to be the completely opposite, right? We thought this bullpen was going to be terrible. Craig Kimbrell couldn't figure it out, and all of a sudden – you got these these guys that are just like coming in there trying to make a name and Kimbrough looks like a completely different player. And it's it's nuts, man. It makes you kind of regret if you're the Cubs trading away you Darvish, right? Oh, absolutely. Because like the, the real struggle of this team right now has been the starting rotation, not even the bullpen. You know, Kyle Hendricks right. has struggled. Uh, Jake Arrieta hasn't looked that great. Um, Zach Davies has been not good, so right. having a guy, having a guy like you, Darvish, on uh, in that rotation would definitely it, it would de- it would put you in a different category. Like right now, they're in first place, right? But right, do you or I really think that this team has a shot to go anywhere in the playoffs? Probably
2: not. I mean, we can touch on that here in a little bit, but it's. It's going to be a push, even if the Cubs do get into the playoffs, it's going to be a push for them to have any success in the postseason just because you go against those top ace bullpens. and Unfortunately, we just don't have that much firepower in the bullpen. We all know that when we barely have guys that are throwing over 90, it's a concern in today's MLB.
1: Yeah, and so I think Jeff Passan recently said something I think it was on – was it on ESPN 1000 today? I don't remember. I didn't quite get to sit and listen to it like I normally do. But that he didn't think the Cubs were going to be looking to sell going into the trade deadline. And that's kind of been a topic me and Mike talked about it on Wednesday and the week before. Like, now you find yourself in first place. Nobody thought you were going to be here. What do you do with all these guys? Like, Chris Bryant's having an MVP caliber season. Um, Javi has – Seen a resurgence since the fans started coming back to the stadium, right? It's it, what What would you do at this point?
2: If I'm the Cubs organization, I think realistically, I'm looking to sign, re-sign the best players, and obviously, KB's having you know a really good season, and he would be the number one guy I would try to retain. I mean, you got to make make it a deal that's team. I don't want to say team friendly, but both team and player friendly, right? He He's going to want top dollar. Maybe we negotiate a little bit to keep him in town get a little bit of that hometown discount. For me, I would try to retain Chris Bryant. I know a lot of people that's the first name. Well, if, if you're selling, you're going to get high dollar value for him. Absolutely. He's right. playing, you know, the best he has since that world series season by far, but I don't, I don't buy the whole sellers in this market conversation. I think that the Cubs are at a place where they may be able to buy a few pieces and do just enough to make that postseason run. I mean, obviously the success that we're sustaining now is not going to be there for the entire season. I right. mean, You look at this bullpen and Jake Arrieta's playing way above expectation. Kyle Hendricks has been kind of down a little bit recently. Uh and that'll probably flip and Arietta will be playing down and Hendricks will be playing good down the stretch.
1: But you look at I mean you hope, right? You hope.
2: You look at a lot of these guys that are closers. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of Andrew Chaffin. I the guy's the guy's goofy, the whole sheriff uh mentality, and then you know, he came out on Twitter and said I came here to strike people out and chew bubble gum and I'm all out of bubble yeah. gum yeah. <laughs> and just some of the goofy things that surround him. But he's I believe done-
1: the dude lived in a van for a while. Like I'm yeah. pretty sure that was a thing.
2: Yeah, I read that as well. So it's it's interesting to see where he has came from to where he's at now. But I really like the stuff that he's doing as a closer. Obviously Kay- Craig Kimbrell, I mean, his ERA is below one right now. I believe it was a .82 as of uh, Wednesday night's game. I'm not sure what he's at now. But he's playing phenomenal. I mean, that's way above his expectation. Yeah. He's, fine. he's finally getting into a little bit of a groove. I don't see that being sustainable. That's the biggest problem with this bullpen is sustainability. At some point, we're going to take a downward stretch where we're only going to win two or three of ten and it's primarily going to be because of the bullpen. I don't think it's going to be because of the hitting, which has been the concern in years past. I mean, realistically, guys are starting to get on base. We're seeing a little bit more of that small ball mentality, one one base at a time, one run at a time, and that's how you win baseball games, especially against really competitive teams that have uh, great pitching. You have to be able to just have that one run mentality and you know that banger bust mentality that the cubs had for so long was just really it was great when they were on but it was detrimental to the team when they were off and over the last couple of years they've unfortunately been more off than on
1: yes that's 100% true <laughs> they've uh, especially towards the end of the season it seems like this team really has a problem with picking up that second wind in a season. You know what I mean? Like you see all these other teams, yeah, throughout the baseball season, it's a long season, but most of these teams, when they have, you know, a little bit of a lull, they find that second wind. Good teams do. The Cubs, the last couple years, they've just hit that wall and they cannot get over it.
2: And that's going to be the biggest concern, I guess. What are your thoughts, Angelo? Do you think they're going to be buyers or sellers at the deadline? and If I guess if you are a buyer, what pieces are you going after? All
1: right, so like we did this with the Bears right before the draft, what I think they're going to do and what they should do. What I think they're going to do is I think they're going to buy. What they should do is still follow their plan, right? They had a plan. All Cubs fans knew, right? We were supposed to be bad this year. Well, we weren't supposed to be as good as we are right now, right? Right. You wanted to get younger in your farm system. That's what you should do. I understand everybody's hyped. Yeah, we're in first place. We're in first place in a weak division, right? We're on the road a lot this next month. I think if, if you can't come out of the month of June 500 or better, you need to really take a realistic look and be like, hey, we're not who we think we are. And obviously the, the area that they need to focus on is starting pitching, right? right? Right now at least. And what what do they have to bring in a starting pitching prospect or major league ready starting pitcher? They don't have anything without giving up the guys that they don't want to give up.
2: Yeah, that's the biggest concern there is the farm system is not good at all when it comes to pitchers. here in Chicago. I think everyone that's a Cubs fan knows that. So, I mean, everybody that we could bring up would theoretically be brought up right now if they were MLB ready. So, if they are buyers, yes, they do have to go after some high caliber starting pitching, but then you get into that pickle of at what cost. So, do you trade away a guy like Javi Baez to get a couple decent pitchers or you trade away a guy like Chris Bryant and hope that some team's willing to give you two aces. I,
1: I, it, I find it so hard, especially since he's a free agent. You know what I mean? Like it'd be different if he was playing at this caliber with, you know, two three years left on a on a deal. But what are you gonna you gonna trade away two ace prospect pitchers to bring in Chris Bryant for six for three months? You know what I mean? That's not right. realistic. At this point, if you're the Cubs, you have to be like, hey, realistically, who can we sign? You got to know at this point if you're going to be able to sign Chris Bryant, Javi, Contreras, Rizzo, all those guys, right? And right, maybe the answer is you just stay pat where you're at and sign the guys that are on this team.
2: Okay. You know, I think that that's something that doesn't get talked about enough. There – obviously is a possibility that they could just go retain all these guys. They could keep KB, Baez, Rizzo, and, you know, kind of keep those three, at least as their building blocks. Contreras. I mean, Contreras is another big role player on this team, but you know, those four guys, I think you can build something around. I wasn't, I wasn't so sure of that prior to this season with the way that Chris Bryant performed last year. I was a little concerned. Obviously it was a, shortened season. So you can't really take much off of that season. I don't think nobody really can. It was short. It was shortened because of COVID. But at the end of the day, you just you didn't see enough games to really get averages and really any stats off of guys that were meaningful. So. Right,
1: right. Last year was a fluke year. I don't care what anybody says. You don't go into a pandemic. Your season gets shut down at the start and expect everything to kind of matter and be as as normal as it usually is especially stats like hitting and pitching you know like right it, baseball's always been a a, a sport where you got to get in that rhythm right you you play long games because it get you got to see a pitcher a few times you know you gotta there's a lot of things that go into being a successful baseball player uh, you know, right. the 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 battle between a pitcher and a hitter, the communication between a pitcher and a catcher. You know what I mean? Like all those stats yeah. I feel like for last season should just kind of be, I'm not going to say just washed away, but maybe looked at a little differently.
2: Yeah. At the end of the day, they are – I don't want to use the word irrelevant. They're not irrelevant. but right. they're, It's not something that you can – you can't really look at last season's stats on a guy and say, "Well, this is what he did
1: last year, so I do or don't want him on my team." Right. And like if we're being realistic here, Chris Bryant hasn't been this Chris Bryant in a few years, right? Since no. he got hit with the ball. You know. I think
2: I think that that changed his whole mentality. I don't want to say he played scared, but you definitely saw, you know, a difference in his mannerisms and even when he was at the plate, he was less aggressive, and you're starting to see that. Well, I don't want to say aggressive because aggressive can be taken as a bad thing when it comes to being at the plate. You know, Javier early in the season was aggressive at balls that were four foot outside the fucking strike zone. So. He's aggressive all the time, <laughs> you know. But realistically, he kind of he got a little bit of that swagger back in his step, right? This year, I think you're seeing him get a little bit more comfortable. I think a little bit to do with that is his maturation. I mean, he's he's got a kid now, and obviously that changes a lot of people's lives and perspective, and maybe he's thinking more, you know, what can I do for my family long term, and that's be successful in baseball to get a good deal and be able to provide for them. So maybe that plays into it a little bit, or maybe he's just finally out of that slump that he was in because he got hit in the head.
1: I mean that's a possibility. Here's his stat line right now. He's a three sixteen average. He has twelve home runs, thirty six RBIs, with an OPS of nine ninety one. That's, I mean, that's solid, man. That's a good stat that's, line.
2: That's an all star stat line, really. I mean, any guy that's hitting above three hundred right now in the MLB is considered an all star stat line, really.
1: Right, especially, I
2: mean, especially with. Uh, you know all of this talk about the pine tar and the sunblock and everything else that is just making spin rates go crazy in the MLB. Uh, balls are getting harder and harder to hit. So if you're hitting 300 in today's league, you're doing pretty damn good, especially by the standards of I don't want to say the cheating. It's it's almost one of those things like the unwritten rules, right? We right. just don't we don't talk about it until we have to talk about it.
1: So let me ask you a question about that, right? Like, yeah, I was listening to ESPN earlier today and somebody had called in, I think, and they were talking about, well, what if it's, this is like the pitcher's way of responding to people who are using steroids. Like cheating is cheating, whether it's pitcher or hitter, man. Like, and Carmen was talking about how like pitching people have been cheating in baseball for hundreds of years. Like, this opens up a whole new conversation, right, about baseball that not a lot of <laughs> yeah. people want to have. You know, and I, and I don't want to pull too far away from the Cubs, but you brought up the, the spin rate and the cheating. And it's like, if everybody's cheating, right, then nobody's really cheating.
2: Right, and that's right? the thing. I mean, what is that spot on this pitcher's brim? You know, you, right. you've you seen it when uh, the cap was taken from the pitcher last week. You know, you saw yep. that Clear blotch on the bill of his cap. And after the game, his manager said, Well, I'm not trying to single anybody out, but all these guys are doing it, so why are yeah, you? Yeah, so if my guy's game? gonna
1: get in trouble. I'm taking everybody down with me, is basically what he did. Right, so which is a horrible
2: like, like, mentality was, to have. Yeah. But realistically, again, as you said, if everyone's doing it, if everyone's quote unquote cheating, at that point is it cheating or is it just something that right ML- the MLB turns their eye from, I mean, you know, a lot of people talk, I don't want to get too far away from our topic either, but a lot of people talk about the steroid era in baseball,
1: right? Oh, you've I'm got, so glad you brought this up. Cause I wanted, I was going to talk about this. Nice. You've got, you've got
2: guys like Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, you know, for me as a kid, I loved watching Sammy Sosa play baseball. Dude. I didn't, you know, and then when it did break that he did steroids, I, Okay, I get it. It's any PED is bad for any type of sport in that from you know the top down perception. But when you have a guy that's consistently cracking 50 plus home runs out of the park, and you know, that's exciting baseball. Right. right? And and it's almost one of those things that if it makes it more exciting and this person's willing to put obviously the physical and you know mental risks that come with doing that type right. of stuff. If they're willing to do something like that, and the game's more exciting because of it, I don't. I personally don't discredit anything that Sosa, McGuire, Bonds did in their careers because they were doing steroids at some point in their
1: career. I, I How do totally you feel agree, about man. That? I agree. Like, like the idea to keep certain players out of the Baseball Hall of Fame for steroids. I get it. There, I get the argument of well, they cheated. They shouldn't be in. They shouldn't reward cheating, right? But like this has just come up, right? All of a sudden, all these pitchers are doing this too. So if everybody's cheating in a sport, or if everybody's cheating in a let's you know, a game of monopoly, right? Everybody's pulling some money off, then nobody has a competitive advantage. Right. You've so, leveled
2: you've leveled the playing field because everyone is cheating in the same mannerisms, and right, you know, with this pitching situation, it's different it's well documented you know that it's been going on for a number of years and now finally the MLB's collecting balls they're collecting hats and from what I've heard they're very I, I don't want to say disgruntled but upset about the number of substances that they're finding on yeah. board, the number of substances that they're finding on hats so it's almost like oh my god we didn't know you were doing this but us as the common fan Watching a game and you see a blotch on a guy's hat this big, you know something's going on. We got a we got a comment here in the chat. Today's cheating is child's play as opposed to doing something like players sharpening their spikes on purpose to slice up someone who tries to tag them. And since we're talking about cheating in baseball, how do you feel about the Houston Astros and what they did in 2017?
1: So, oh, okay, real quick, I don't know who this is because they're not on our Twitch or. Uh, YouTube channel, so I can't see who's saying this. But I will say this: I'm not in favor of cheating, right? Right. But all I'm saying is that if the hitters are cheating and the pitchers are cheating, then everybody's cheating. Then I don't think you should, like, I don't think we should praise Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, uh, you know, Jose, Kins- all these guys that were using steroids and PEDs. I just don't think like you should keep them from the hall of what Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa and Barry Bonds did. It really kept baseball alive. If you think about it, you know what I mean? Like baseball was dying out and these guys, McGuire and Sosa, that race was what brought people back into watching baseball, you know, and what they did, what they accomplished is hall of fame worthy, you know, but you're not going to keep them in. Okay. Because they cheated, but now all these great pitchers, right? Well, what if they were all cheating? Now that's going to be the question. So I think like Pete Rose, right? There's a big thing. Pete Rose doesn't belong in the hall of fame because he bet on games, whatever. The dude was phenomenal, right? He definitely deserves to be in the hall of fame in my book. Do you put it in there? Yeah. Why not put it in there? Like, Oh, Sosa should be in the hall of fame. He, you know, Chicago cub cork bat. Boom. There you go. (laughs) That's all you gotta say. Or people make their own decision about that. Now, as far as the Astros is concerned, I mean that d- not yeah, that everybody was, was stealing
2: science. Right.
1: And and that led directly to them winning a championship. It's not like all these all these pitchers are cheating, right? But everybody's kind of on the same playing field as far as that cheating. This was cheating that led the Astros to have a major competitive advantage on hitters. And cause the other team to do worse because of it leading them to a championship victory. So that, I think, is a little worse.
2: I Yeah, I think that's a little bit different. Again, you know, like you said, if everyone, if all of these pitchers around the league, and it's been well-documented that it's not just one, two, or three teams, it's every team in the league is getting hats, getting balls taken to be examined, and I think the MLB is going to come out with something next year once they analyze all this evidence and say, All right, guys, we're we're good with the pine tar. The pine tar doesn't do anything for spin rates, but all this other stuff, I don't even know some of the substances they're putting on their hats. I mean,
1: none of I us do like, sunscreen and all that kind of stuff, man.
2: Yeah, and it it makes you wonder if you look at the velocity and the spin rates how they've increased and how much harder it's getting four players to hit. There's gotta be a direct correlation there. I right.
1: Mean, I mean, Anthony Rizzo was on, uh, cap and hood. Yeah. Uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, maybe and said something about like, you know, the spin rate that these pitchers has is ridiculous and, and that he wouldn't be surprised if something like this was to come out. And sure enough, you know, this is exactly what happened is they find out that these pitchers have been using substances to make that spin rate go back, go faster. You know what I mean? And yeah, I'm not like a super baseball nerd. So like spin rate, I'm not really sure how much it affects, you know, like how much it affects a hitter. I know that the hitters look at the spin of the baseball to determine kind of the trajectory of the ball. So I'm sure faster spin rate would make it more difficult to determine when it's going to break and all that stuff. I might be completely wrong. That's just my, and
2: that's, that's exactly from, you know, breaking it down as easy as possible. That's essentially what it is is a batter looks at the spin rate to know uh, how the ball's going to break, kind of identify the pitch and know their timing. Right. So if the spin rate goes up, consistently around the league it makes it harder for hitters to hit because they're used to a baseline spin rate and now they're seeing uh much higher spin rate because of these sunscreen and baby oil and all this other shit that pitchers are deciding to rub on their on the brim of their cap before the game like i've never once gone out to the beach and put sunscreen on the bill of my hat because i was i was worried my hat was going to get sunburned like
1: Oh, and it reflects <laughs> that, dude, That's the most corny excuse I've ever heard in my life. Exactly. You got
2: caught, own it, move on. Right. You know, I, it's,
1: it's almost like that Tom Brady situation, right, with the balls, the deflating of the ball, right? If he would have <clears> just <throat> come out and said, hey, I like my football's deflated a little bit more than usual, I didn't know that it was this big of a deal, I'm sorry, it would have been over, done with. Move but on. Instead, exactly. Right, you got investigations and all this stuff, like – you got caught. Own it. Say, Own whoops, it take yep. your suspension, and then move on, you know?
2: Exactly. I agree. Now, going back to the Cubs here, Angelo. So, we just saw our Cubs take a, a pretty bad loss last night. And I did the Cubs play today?
1: Do you know? Um, I don't know. I can look up real quick. Hold on.
2: I believe mm-hmm. today's the second of four against – Yeah. Uh, the Giants, but I might be wrong.
1: I think you're right. I think they played late. They do. They play at eight forty-five tonight. Yep, that's right. So, well,
2: it's a good good thing for us. We got that coast game, and we'll be yeah. able to watch it once we're done here on yeah, the show. Yeah, once the show's done. Yep. Uh, now I'm just wondering: Do you think that the Cubs will stay in first place over, let's say, the next fifteen games? <laughs>
1: Uh, I, I hope they do. I don't think they will. I think you're going to see them kind of come back to life. I think getting all those fans back at Wrigley last month and, yep. at, you know, the I just think that the bullpen played too well. And I know that sounds funny, but like you eventually expect this bullpen to come back down to earth, right? And when that happens, if your starting pitching is still kind of in the area it's at, you're going to lose a lot of games.
2: Oh, absolutely agree. I think, like you said, I think we're going to see this team come back down to earth within the next 10, 15 games. And it's going to be unfortunate because I would love to see this team ride this mini wave of success they've had so far, but it's not sustainable, not with the talent level that we have. I mean, unless these guys just continue to have breakout unbelievable seasons, which is highly unlikely, we're not going to see this much success moving forward. No. Now, with that, I do want to take a quick break here, guys. We're going to talk some White Sox. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick word here from one of our sponsors, uh, Nick and Ivy Brewing in beautiful downtown Lockport, Illinois.
0: or just come for a cozy atmosphere to enjoy a good conversation with a friend, loved one, or complete stranger. Nick and Ivy makes you feel right at home no matter what the occasion is. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Nick and Ivy Brewing Company. Visit our website for our up to date tap list or to go shopping on our online store at nickivybrewing.com. That's N I K I V Y brewing.com. Come in today for a fresh brewed beer born and raised in Lockport, Illinois.
2: And we're back again, guys. That was a word from our sponsor, Nick and Ivy Brewing, out there in beautiful downtown Lockport, Illinois. They got a beer after our guy Fat Mike, the Fat Mike Chicago beer coming out here soon. So stay tuned for that. Uh, if you ever Mike wondered what
1: Fat Mike tastes like, it's that's not it. that beer. No, it's not that. It's not that. Don't uh, I don't want to ruin uh, ruin people's appetite. <laughs>
2: Okay, uh before we move on to some football, I want to touch on the White Sox real quick, Angelo. Yeah. So the, the White Sox are the best team in baseball right now. That's statistically and you know, everything else, they just they are the best team in baseball. Despite Great. despite their manager being 76 years old and, you know, should be sitting on the couch taking a nap at seven o'clock when they're playing a night game. Instead, Tony LaRusse is taking a nap in the dugout, but <laughs> Moving on, realistically, the Cubs are, I'm sorry, the White Sox are the best team in baseball right now. Everybody's hitting is starting to come around a little bit better than it was at the beginning of the year. Uh, The bullpen has been absolutely outstanding. Uh, I mean, I can't say enough about the Sox bullpen. You've got so many guys there, Lucas Giolito's playing at such a high level, and you know, all of their starters have been consistent over this last 20 games. And I think that says a lot about the farm system that the Sox have in place and their ability to develop players and bring them up. Everything's finally starting to come together for that team all the way around. And as much as I'm a Cubs fan, I, I'm i a Chicago sports fan, right? So I love seeing other teams in Chicago be successful, I'm not one of those Cubs fans that's oh fuck the White Sox. I hate no i I want to see those guys on the South Side doing just as good as we're doing on the North Side, and that's right now the Cubs and Sox are both in first place in their division. Yeah, that's something we yep. haven't been able to say in a long time.
1: Now, now, granted, both divisions are weak, but yeah, can only I be would
2: who's on your schedule, right? Exactly. I mean. Touching on that real quick, I would almost argue that the Sox division is a little bit weaker than the Cubs right now. I would agree. I mean, Detroit is absolutely trash right yes. now. So that that alone is worse um, than any – I mean, they alone are worse than any team in the Cubs division. But realistically, how many games do you think the White Sox are going to win, Angelo,
1: over the course of this season? That's a good question. What were they projected to win? Um, I want to say they were projected around ninety. Ninety, I think you're right. Um, I would I would say that's probably a fair assessment. I mean, they're they have thirty four wins right now. You know what are we two months into the season? Yep. I, I could see you know ninety wins. That's a good benchmark. I think.
2: I. I would like to see them eclipse that 100 wins, get that 100 win season, which is obviously a very tough thing to do. But I think if any team could do it this year, it would probably be the White Sox. Right. Just uh, with their, their level of motivation right now. Our guy Allen's drunk, but he's saying hi. <laughs> uh, you know, the level of motivation that's in that locker room, they have that total win now mentality. Right. They. They are going after it 110%. And whether they win games because of Tony LaRusa or in spite of Tony LaRusa, I think they're going to be successful down the stretch. I, I'm not a big Tony LaRusa guy. I'm not a big fan of the unwritten rules. They're unwritten, so they're not a rule, plain and right. simple. Right. They're just uh, not rules. <clears throat> you know, and not to rewind too much, but. The whole situation with your mean Mercedes and Tony LaRussa, man, that really showed me kind of his true colors and mm-hmm. how much of an old school mentality manager he is. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing because a lot of what he does is play that smart technical small ball, get guys on base, bring guys in. But on the on the other hand, you've got to at some point you've got to adapt to your players. You know, this Sox team is young, they're having fun. They've kind of got that little bit of that flair similar to what Tatis brings to right. San Diego. And you know, I love watching Tim Anderson play. The kid's phenomenal. I I wish we, we had a guy like Tim Anderson on our team. I I wish that we had a I wish we had half the bullpen that the White Sox have. Yeah. But the White the White Sox have been playing phenomenal. I mean, it's just so crazy to see over the last couple seasons, you know, we've seen them build and build and build, and now they're finally here and they're ready to
1: make that big run. So my, my only concern is they have a lot of injuries, right? Eventually you would think that the injuries will kind of rear their head. Now, maybe not as significantly as they could because other pieces seem to be stepping up where those other pieces went down. But you would have to think with a guy like you know Roberts not being there that's a that's a pretty big significant injury you know and Eloy being out Eloy. eventually, I would think those injuries would you know pop up to be a little more of a you know kick for this white Sox team maybe not you know Mercedes came up and he's been you know pretty good he had a, a little sluggish after the whole. LaRusso's situation, he kind of, uh, you know, tapered down a little bit, but he had a pretty decent game yesterday. You know, we'll see. The Sox are kind of in the same spot, right? Like, I talked to Mike on Wednesday about it. The Cubs need to make ground up in their division, right? Same thing with the White Sox. I know the Sox are, I think, four games up in their division right now, but three games up. They're three games up in their division, but like, teams like the Indians aren't just gonna stop like, you know what I mean? Like you need to make right. you need to use this month to make up a nice gap between you and and the next guy. Like the Cubs are what a half game up now or a full yeah. game maybe, but I believe they're a full game up, yeah, right. And, and like if you can't make up it's that one ground, game. right, That's what I mean. Like if you can't make up more ground on your competition in your own division, it's always gonna be like that chance. If you go into a slump, you know, the the Cardinals can overtake the Cubs, or the Indians have played pretty well for the most part. You know, they have a shot at it also. I think both these teams this month is huge for both of these teams. I would agree. And I think I do New want to say I like those south side jerseys though that they unveiled. I so thought are they're the, pretty sweet. Are the
2: Cubs going to get a north side jersey then? Didn't you see that they leaked? I Pubs saw jersey. that but I I hope that's not really the jersey because that that Wrigleyville I like the the lettering but I wasn't a big fan of the shade of blue that they used for the jersey.
1: I think those jerseys are if that's the jersey they're going to go with is a joke. Every other team that got these city jerseys like they're sweet, especially the White Sox. Like their jersey is awesome. I yeah, jealous, I really like but, it. But for the Cubs, I mean that it, it's just boring. I'm looking for a picture of it right now, but I can't seem to find one because I was gonna put it up for everybody to see. But they're not. I, they're just like they're like a weird navy color with like baby blue, and it. I I didn't like it personally. I thought it was a lot of a It's lot not to be what
2: it's not what you think of when you think a city jersey, right? Right. That,
1: Traditionally,
2: the city jerseys have been heavy in basketball. Like over the last few years, you know the Bulls have had some really cool city jersey yep. designs. And as you said, the White Sox jersey looks cool. I think it's going to be hilarious to see it on Grandpa Larusa. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with with that being said, I think they look really nice, and the design was really cool, really modern, it, and it kind of fits the style and the swagger of those players on the right. White Sox team for Absolutely. sure. And then the Cubs come out and they just have this pale navy blue off putting like okay it says Wrigleyville in cursive cool but it's not not anything that I would spend 120 plus dollars on. No.
1: I'm not like I'm not a big jersey guy myself. I used to really love jerseys. I never the only jersey I ever bought myself was a, a Brian Erlocker jersey and that was a long time ago. But right I wouldn't buy that jersey. It didn't it, like the the whites. If I was a White Sox fan, their jersey is something I'd be like, "Hey, that's a cool jersey." Even if I don't wear jerseys often, I think I would still buy that just to have, you know. But the Cubs, oh, one I agree. I'll pass on that.
2: Yeah, I agree. Hopefully, it's a little bit different when it comes out than what was leaked, but we shall right. see. So, we talked the White Sox and their record. We talked about their bullpen a little bit. Man, that team is just on fire right now, and I'm mm-hmm. hoping I'm hoping that both the Cubs and the Sox are in the same position a month from now, and we can just keep talking about how great Chicago baseball is. Because yeah. at the end of the day, I'm, I'm wearing my Central Division champions white or Cubs tee right now. If you know both the Cubs and the Sox win their division, I think that'd be great for the city of Chicago. It'd be very interesting to see. So why not? But-
1: I'm I think it would in. lead to a lot of bragging rights if, uh, like, picture these two meeting up in the playoffs and the World Series is the uh, d- d- North and South side going against each other. That'd be wild. I don't think the, the, that the Cubs are even going to sniff no. the World Series, but. What yeah, if
2: by some miracle we go out and we're buyers and we find some, you know, one or two elite starting pitchers that we can entice to come over here to the North side, not saying. Not saying at all that will happen, but if we can, by some miracle, make that happen, right? Then we might be talking about a whole different team. Uh, who was it I heard today that was going to become available at the deadline? Uh, I want to say it was Scherzer from the. National- uh,
1: yeah, I think you're right. I'm not sure though. Uh, I can look that up too. Um, I
2: I would love to bring him over to the Cubs. I would I would sign that guy if he was available in a heartbeat.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah it says it looks like they're exploring a Max Scherzer trade. So and I mean I mean
2: why why wouldn't you if you're the Nationals, you're obviously not going to be competitive this year or right. probably next season. So why not get some value for him? Well,
1: he's still a top dollar player for sure, but Right. But that's the other thing that brings me back to my point, like what can the Cubs really offer a team like the Nationals? other than Chris Bryant who's not under contract and maybe Javi who's not under contract, Wilson Contreras has one year left. Like they have no farm system. That's the thing. Like that's why I think they need to kind of just look to stay in-house. Okay,
2: and I do understand what you're saying there, Angelo, and I respect it. I mean, it it's that double-edged sword, right? Either you go out and buy the pieces to try to make a push or you just sustain what you're at this year, have have an okay, you know, right around 500 season, maybe a little bit under 500 if we go through a 10-15 game slump. And then next year you get some building blocks to strengthen the farm system, obviously be aggressive towards pitching when the markets open between season. And maybe next year you come back with these same four guys on the Cubs that I've talked about. And you've got some pieces around them to now when we're having this conversation this time next year, it's not going to be, well, they're not going to have enough to make a push in the playoffs.
1: Right. And it's unfortunate, right. That they couldn't spend a little more this off season, because if, if you think about it, if they would have you Darvish right now, right, where would this team be right now? And then you bring in, you know, even a, a little bit above average pitcher for some money. Like, right. If your team is hitting and performing the way it is, the the, the stadium is going to be at full capacity by the eleventh. Like, that's all your revenue right there. That's back flowing. You know. And was was that announced recently that I, the stadium is going to sure. be back at full capacity? I am almost positive they said June eleventh. Um awesome. I will double check real quick because I'm not giving false information.
2: No, that's great. I mean, obviously they've moved to sixty percent now, and as more and more people get vaccinated, it it makes sense, especially with recent uh, updates to the way that we handle that, both from the state and the CDC. So, yeah, it does I, say
1: uh, Wrigley Field will open up to full capacity next Friday, June eleventh. So, awesome!
2: I'm all for it. I can't wait to see Wrigley at full capacity again. I mean, yeah. just for those that are not. Cubs fans or those that have never been to Wrigley Field, I encourage you highly to take a trip there because it's like nothing else, like no other stadium you've ever been Mm -hmm. to or ever will be to. So historic. I mean, just being in Wrigleyville, so to speak, doing the walk around, Mm -hmm. you know. I was just
1: down there a couple weeks ago. I brought my son to his first uh, Cubs game, first game at Wrigley Field. And I had to wait till I was 28 to go to my first game at Wrigley Field. So... Oh, wow. He got to experience it at seven and that was only uh, 60. No, it wasn't even 60 percent capacity, but it was just kind of weird being there because there was like nobody there. Um, It it definitely is going to be nice to see 100 percent all the fans going crazy, you know, and and we know Cubs fans love when their team is doing well. So this is a perfect time for that.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. That. And again, you know, kind of going back to the revenue and how that ties in. I think obviously that will play a factor. Okay, we've got some money coming in now we're full capacity. I I feel like this Cubs team if they stay stay where they're at at least for a few weeks will sell out just because hey, the seats are finally open. We can we can put an ass in the chair so to speak and right. W- with the way they're playing right now, why wouldn't you want to go to a Cubs game, especially you can get some good seats at a Cubs game for under a hundred bucks. Like
1: I was just thinking, man, like the Cubs got lucky. They, they did the whole marquee network and everybody thought the Cubs are going to be terrible this year. And now they're actually performing better than anybody thought. So they got, they got pretty lucky, man. I I felt like the the marquee subscriptions would be pretty low this season, but you know, I'm a sucker. I have the NF or the, uh, the MLB package so I can watch the Cubs all the time. Um, mostly so that I can stay engaged doing this with you guys, because up here in right. Wisconsin, I don't ever really see the Cubs unless they're on ESPN, so or playing the Brewers. So,
2: right. But I will say I'm not a Brewers fan by any means, but I do like the Brewers Stadium as well. You ever been nice. to a game over there at Miller Park?
1: Yeah, actually, I've been to more Brewers games than. Well, no, that's a lie. Uh, I've been to, like, six games at Miller. Well, it's not Miller anymore. It's American Family and, I don't know, something stupid park. But I've been there. Um, I actually went to go see the Cubs and the Astros when it was Miller after Hurricane Katrina hit. The Astros and Cubs played in Milwaukee as an away game for the – or a home game for the Astros, and it was not a home game for the Astros. (laughs) Not at all. So – but yeah, it's a Very, nice stadium. Yeah. It's kind of like I've been to Lambeau too, and Lambo, I hate the Packers, right? But right. that's a fantastic stadium, also, man. Just the, the history of that stadium. It's it's a lot bigger than you would think it would be. Then the seats are okay. there's like there's not a bad seat in the entire stadium. So that's a good stadium too.
2: Interesting. Maybe I'll have to
1: make it up there
2: for a Bears Packers game. Bears
1: Packers, Tarbill and, and Ace live show.
2: Well, we are definitely going to get out to a game together this year. We're going to make that happen. But, of course, once we nail that down, what game we're going to go to, then we can schedule something uh, interactive after the game to kind of do a live show right there, right there from Soldier. I think that'd be
1: cool. Hell, yeah.
2: Before we jump into the Bears here, guys, we're going to take a quick minute to – Hear a word from our sponsor, the Jonathan Darren team with the Coldwell Banker Real Estate Group.
0: Hi, I'm Jonathan Darren, licensed real estate broker with Cobble Banker Real Estate Group in Homer Glen. Are you looking to buy or sell? Have you been disappointed in the past? The Jonathan Darren team with Caldwell Banker Real Estate Group focuses on providing you with a concierge level of service during the process of buying or selling. We are a service oriented team with a fresh and professional approach to selling real estate. Our goal is to combine knowledge, skills, and passion to exceed our client's expectations. And most of all, We truly care. We are a knowledgeable real estate team focused on offering expertise and innovative solutions for our clients. The Jonathan Darren team has five full-service real estate brokers and a dedicated full-time marketer servicing all of Chicagoland. We will customize a detailed plan around your timeline for a sale, purchase, investment, estate, or other needs. Real estate transactions can be stressful, but don't need to be. Let us handle it for you. Visit our website, homesbyjdt.com or call 708 308 1938 today. Expect better in real estate. Choose the Jonathan Darren team. Call
2: Mark
0: Berardi, the best fucking lawyer in town. Alright,
2: guys. Uh that was a quick word from our sponsors, uh, the Jonathan Darren team with the Coldwell Banker Real Estate Group. If you're looking to buy a home in the area, be sure to reach out to John and his team. They're the best. And then Mark berardi and Associates, uh, our other spot, another one of our sponsors here at 1252. I don't have the read with me tonight, but Mark and his team handle everything. I mean, Wills Trust Estates, they're the best in the area. They've got a big group of – or a big team ready to service any legal needs that you may have. So be sure to reach out to Mark and his team if you're looking to do anything lawyer-related in the in the whole state of Illinois. So
1: Yeah, the whole state, which is – that's a big state, so – no kidding. You ever
2: you ever drive from Chicago all the way down to the southern tip of Illinois? It's horrible, but
1: I had to take a trip one time when I was 19 for work. I drove from where I live now to Quincy and that was a miserable drive. And that's pretty close to the southern tip of the border and it was yep. a boring drive. Oh, absolutely.
2: Nothing but corn and
1: yeah. highways. <laughs>
2: Yeah. But a lot of All people right.
1: don't realize that. You know what I mean? Right. So. Uh, we we got a comment here
2: in the chat. Mongo Palooza tomorrow. Absolutely. Uh, out there at Mongo McMichael's Restaurant in Romeoville. They're having an event. Fundraiser event for him. It's going to be outstanding. Uh, our guy, Fred Hubner's going to be out there. I believe Fat Mike might be out there as well. It's going to be a good time. Uh, if you're in the area and you can go out to Mongo's, definitely stop out and help. Support him. Uh, obviously, everyone knows that he has unfortunately been diagnosed with ALS, which is—it's a it's very a terrible yeah, it's a tough disease. Uh, I had a family member pass away from it a few years back, and so I know it at a personal level. It's—it's it's nothing to play with, guys. It's nothing I would wish on my worst enemy. And if you can make it out there to support Mongo and you know, hang out, have a good time. Uh,
1: Fat Mike will be there. You know, Fat
2: Mike will be there. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, Like I said, Fred Hubner is going to be out there, and I'm not sure, but I do believe some of the ESPN guys are going to be out there as well. I
1: I think our buddy Alan's going to be out there. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make it. I'm going to try to get down there. I would love to be able to support that cause and you know get to hang out with Mike and Alan and. Fred and all those guys down there. So I'm hoping to be able to go down, even if it's just for the day. But we'll see.
2: I Yeah, I hope I can make it up. It's not down for me. It's up. But hopefully I can get out there as well. Uh, only time will tell. We'll see what tomorrow brings. But if you're in the area and you can go support Mongo, please do, guys. It's, an, it's for a good cause. And, you know, he was such a great guy throughout his entire post. Throughout his entire playing career, his radio and uh, WCW career as well, he's done a lot
1: for done
2: done absolutely a lot for uh, the surrounding cities of Chicago and you know it's it's extremely unfortunate to see what Mongo's going through, but we all you could just kind of tell the
1: kind of person he was right because of how many people care about this cause right like if if this was just somebody. It might not be getting as much traction, but people like the kind of person that he was, man. Clearly, he touched everybody's life that he entered. So make sure you guys are trying oh, to, you absolutely. know, go there, help him out. They also have the Team Mongo page on Facebook that has a link for um, his GoFundMe page where you can make donations yep. on there. Also,
2: yeah, I saw that just uh, Eclipse 200K today. So yep. really speaks volumes to the individual that Mongo is. Yep. Uh, Moving forward, Angelo, I want to talk about the Bears a little bit. So did you have a chance to watch the newest episode of that 1920 football drive that the Bears released yesterday, I I believe it was?
1: I watched a little bit of it. I didn't get to watch all of it yet, but I watched the beginning. I watched up until Tevin Jenkins was picked. Okay.
2: So, yeah, obviously a lot of that episode focused on the draft and kind of showed us – the draft room and how ecstatic everyone was. You saw Matt Nagy hugging Sweaty Teddy when they made the Justin Fields pick, and Teddy. <laughs> Sweaty Teddy. I still, oh, I still Dude, think they should get bad. rid of that guy. But <clears throat> you, you saw so many, you know, behind the scenes bits, and you saw Justin at his house and how excited he was to be coming to the city of Chicago. And my favorite part of the whole episode, which what I want to fast forward to, was they highlighted some interaction between coach laser and coach flip with Justin Fields. And, you know, obviously it was some, some film from rookie mini camp and a little bit of OTA, but as small of a sample size as it was, it was really interesting to see how highly the coaching staff speaks of Justin Fields already. That to me, that was quite pivotal. I'm, You've got a guy who's just now learning a new playbook in and out and has came in. He's making the right reads already. He's throwing balls to receivers on the run on time very accurately, which is something we didn't see with Mitch Trubisky. I didn't want to say his name, but I just did. Uh, You know, know, and it it really makes you wonder, is this going to be the Russ Wilson and uh, who was it, Matt Flynn situation there in seattle all over again i think it almost has to be to a certain extent i don't want to beat the dead horse i've brought it up before but there's so much excitement around justin fields and you know his ability to play the quarterback position at an upper echelon that we haven't seen in chicago i don't want to say in a long time ever we have never had a top tier quarterback in chicago angelo do you agree with that
1: uh obviously cutler was probably the closest thing to a you know that upper crust of quarterback class but even that was you know you never knew what Cutler you were going to get I will never say a bad thing about Jay Cutler because he was my favorite quarterback to this point but yeah nobody Justin Fields we have this thought right because of the type of quarterback he is and who he compared himself to was Russell Wilson, right? That's why, right. like you said, you know, the Russell Wilson situation in Seattle when he got drafted. But it broke today that, you know, the Bears promised Andy Dalton that he was QB1 for week one.
2: Yeah, You know, I heard that, and it's just like our guys Carmen and Yurko over at ESPN 1000 said today. That, that was a conversation at best. It was... Hey, Andy, we're bringing you here. We think you're better than Nick, so you're going to be the starter week one.
1: But right. Plans
2: plans change. I'm sorry. It's,
1: Promises are made to be broken. Isn't I've that heard, the old saying?
2: I've heard that saying a lot. But, you know, it, it is true, especially in a business like the NFL. Nobody, I personally never thought that Justin Fields would drop to 11. And I didn't even – I wasn't even so sure that the Bears would move up and make a pick for a quarterback at 11 or 12 just because I didn't think that – part of me thought that Sweaty Teddy and the powers above would not let Matt Nagy and uh, Pace leverage the future of the team to try to save their own asses. But in hindsight, we did great things in this draft. Not only did we go up and get our quarterback of the future – a guy that should have probably gone in the top five or six easily. Now we've got the guy that the bears should have really taken if they stayed with the 20th pick in Tevin Jenkins. So not only did you go out and get your quarterback, you got an all future, all pro I would say tackle to protect his blind side. You've gone out, you've made other moves on the offensive line. We drafted Larry Borum, uh, they retain Jermaine Effetti, and uh, Coach Castillo has said that they think is going to be an all or not an all-star uh, pro bowl, pro bowl caliber player next year. Right. So I sure hope that everything pans out for this Bears team. I think with the amount of hype that's around it right now, another well we can't go eight and eight because of the extra game, but right. another five hundred or right around 500 season does this team nothing so you know it'll be interesting to see what we do
1: like my thought process on the whole Justin Fields thing and I'll, and I'll be quick with it like Andy Dalton there is no future with him right he's just the, here None. for this year if full if uh Fields is the future why not just put him in week 1 develop that chemistry between him and the O line him and the receivers You know, what's the worst that happens? You have a losing season this year? Okay. Like, But going into the year, we expected that to be the situation anyways. Why not give this kid the chance to get experience, play with these young guys, you know, and then next year when hopefully you're able to kind of, you know, spend a little more money, you can revamp that defense because that defense is getting old. It is. And – they're not going to be the same here in two years, right? So will he be ready? Darren's saying here in the chat, will fields be ready? So he, it do, doesn't matter though. Like I get it. If he's the guy that everybody thinks he is everyone, oh, well, what if you stunt his development? Then he's not the guy, right? Right. If he's the guy you think he is, then playing him week one, if he struggles, he'll figure out a way not to struggle. He'll overcome that. You know what I mean,
2: right? He'll and go through some. Him in, go he'll go through some growing pains for right. sure. I mean, every rookie does. Yes, but I think putting him on the field week one, if he just comes, and it's obviously contingent on camp, if he comes into camp and just plays outstanding, and he's clearly the better quarterback out of, I don't even want to say the three because Nick Foles is obviously the third right. string no matter right. what. But if he comes out the better quarterback of the two and he's just clearly superior to Andy Dalton in every category, how could you
1: not start him? Even if he's not superior, if he's the same, if him and Dalton are on the same exact playing field, they're both the same, why wouldn't you start fields over over Dalton, period, right? Like if he's significantly worse, which I doubt, but if he is, then yes, I understand starting Dalton, letting him have – you know, clearly he's not ready, but so Dalton plays four or five weeks, right? What in that four or five week span could happen, right? You could lose wide receivers, right. you could lose offensive linemen, you know, and then you're gonna throw him out there with guys that might not be the pieces that he needs to, to go, right? Right. So then we're then we're going into this next year. Well, you know, he didn't have you know, Darnell Mooney was injured, and and this guy was hurt, and blah blah blah. The defense was this and that. It's not even just about the players, though. Like we need to see if Matt Nagy can be the coach that he was brought here to be, right? The like,
2: offensive guru,
1: right? Like if you're gonna, that's his guy, right? So let him do his thing. Because right. what if this year goes through with Andy Dalton, right? And field starts next year and we find out Matt Nagy's a terrible play caller. Well, we already kind of have that assumption, but that <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just that. a terrible coach, right? Now you're in an even bigger situation because now you have to go get a new coach for this kid two years into his development. That's going to mess everything up again. It's just, it, I think it's only positive to start him week one. I'm in the minority maybe, but that's just me. You know, I do agree with the points
2: that you made there. You don't gain any value if him if him and Andy Dalton are on the same plane you don't gain any value by starting Andy Dalton you know there's no way in hell that Andy Dalton's going to start this entire season for one right it's not it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when right so you know you put all your chips on the table and going in you say that why not start him as soon as you think he's ready and i yep. think he'll be ready week 1 the kid literally scored higher on a football IQ test than any other college athlete that's ever been tested. That's huge. Yeah. He rem- he remembered he remembered a play that Matt Nagy asked him about pre-draft and repeated it perfectly to him on draft day. Yep. Like that's those are things that you can't discredit. And to see going back to 1920 football drive and you know the Bears presentation of that to see coach Laser and uh, Coach Flip speaks so highly of him already. And, you know, I, I heard them screaming on that presentation, you know, way to go, way to hit the numbers. Great job. That's how you throw a ball. That's how you hit the scene. All of those things. Don't get me wrong. They're not going to show the botched throws, they're not right. going to show bad highlights on something like that that's a Bears media driven event. But at the same time, I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen anything bad. The media spoke very highly of how Justin was when they were able to attend OTAs there last week. Like, why not start the kid if he's ready? Mm -hmm. The future is now mentality, 100%.
1: You know what this whole, like, since the draft process really has shown a light on was just how little faith they had in Mitch Trubisky, right? Zero. You never heard them talk this way about Mitch. Like with confidence, like oh, he's working on this, or or you know, we want him to get better at that. Like what they've talked about with Fields is that he's he's where they want him to be. He's the guy they brought in who they thought he was gonna be. And poor Mitch, you know, this guy right here, he always looking always looked lost, and it just it really you're not
2: allowed to put that puppy dog face shit up on my show. <laughs> it always
1: just – to me, that's what really stands out about this whole thing is as much as people wanted, well, is it Mitch or is it Nagy, like the whole organization never really seemed to talk this way about Mitch. Right.
2: But, no, not even his teammates. I mean, what? who was it? Eddie Jackson got kind of caught on Instagram yeah. or Twitter, one of the two. Instagram uh, Live, I think. When, Instagram Live when – they made the pick. He said, "And I'm paraphrasing here. We got a real quarterback, or something of yeah. that effect." He stopped so, man, himself we before got he got ourselves a real court. You know, yeah. And, yeah. He stopped himself before he said it completely. But everybody knows that's what he was thinking, and I think that's one thing with the defense when we talk about their uh, hopeful resurgence this year under Sean Desai is. That defense is going to play a lot harder if they know they have a quarterback in the backfield that can score points.
1: Right. It's Like, that team will know. That team's going to know if Justin Fields is ready. Oh, 110%, yeah. And the only thing we can hope for is that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are honest about when he's ready and aren't just like, well, you know, we promised Dalton this and that, blah, blah, blah. I
2: I don't care about a promise at all. When it comes to that regard – Things change. We didn't That's know he right. was going to be available when he was available. So the Bears made the smart move. They went out and got the quarterback of the future. Sorry, Andy, you're on a one-year deal. You're making fucking $10 million to yeah. be a backup. That's right. Let me so tell why, you,
1: it could be worse.
2: It could be a lot worse. So I get it. At the time, they told him he was the starter when he was coming to Chicago. Of course he was. You had fucking Nick Foles on the <laughs> roster. Like,
1: Yeah, the human statue. That dude was so bad. I mean
2: – it's, I it's wanted horrible, so badly
1: for Foles to be a solution the, to the, the answer problem, man. It just the no. offensive line was just awful too. But like that dude could not move, man.
2: If the offensive line was above average, I think Nick Foles probably could have had some success because we saw it with Philly, right? When uh Carson Wentz got hurt and he went in and carried him to the promised land with Super Bowl MVP blah, blah, blah. We've seen Nick Foles be able to compete on the highest stages, but our line and that type of quarterback don't mesh. You can't have a strict pocket passer that can't run to save his life as your number one quarterback in a system like Chicago was. Now, that being said, you know going forward, I think Andy Dalton could probably succeed a little bit more behind this future line that we're going to have out there this year right. than he did with Dallas last year. Yep. But I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get why you, anyone would think you have to be loyal to Andy Dalton. That right. guy's coming in brand new, just like Justin Fields is. It's not like he's a, a seasoned veteran. Like everyone compares to the Patrick Mahomes situation, right? right. He's well, not even on the same. Smith, right. Alex Smith was a seasoned veteran. Right who was well-respected by Kansas City. You know, he did just enough as a starter. He, Alex Smith, I always say, was a great game manager. He's yeah. not a guy that's going to go above and beyond to win you a game, but he's a guy that will keep you in every single game. Right. And he played with a hell of a lot of determination, and then obviously, you know, he had that injury. He came back and still played with determination and was a game manager as well, but it's – It's one of those things where the situations were polar opposite. Alex Smith was good enough to be a starter at that point. I mean, obviously obviously. it came to the end of the season and they just saw, okay, we have something special in Patrick. We're going to let him start. I think he only started week 17 of his rookie year. We're not going to have something in Andy Dalton that's worth shadowing Justin Fields to the world, especially if Justin's ready. If we go into training camp and he just comes out looking – Like, a clear shoe in, start the kid. Put him out there. If he has some growing pains, he learns on the way. So be it. If he's as good as we and everyone else thinks he's going to be, he'll adapt and he'll move forward with it.
1: I 100% agree. And here's another thing. Andy Dalton has as many playoff victories in his career as Justin Fields does, and Fields has never played in the NFL. So that's what are you really right? What are you really getting that you're that hyped about that you couldn't put Justin Fields in first? You know what I mean? So right,
2: but yeah. I mean that's that's my thought as well. I think we agree there, and I think mm-hmm. we've I think we've covered enough Bears for today. But you know, moving forward as we get further into OTAs and we start seeing training camp and all the players are mandated to be out there, it'll be interesting to see. I want to see how one, how he performs, and two, how the media reacts to his performance. So, right, I, it's a great time to be a Bears fan. I can't say that enough.
1: So, Darren brought up Rodgers, right? Real quick, I know you and Turtle like to talk about a lot of different sports, a lot of different teams. I got this buddy, right, that I work with. Yep. He came in the other day to work. He goes, he goes, man. I just read this article that Jordan Love is looking really good in camp and blah, 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 and he's trying to convince, I think, himself that the Packers going from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love is going to be just a seamless transition. He came in. I'm like, I'm like, dude, you really think you're going to go from Rodgers to Love and you're still going to win 10 games? Like, yeah, man, absolutely. Dude. No. Some, no way. Listen, I, I know a lot of Packer fans – in this area a lot of you are my friends it that's not gonna happen like it's not it, you know how i know it's not because if love was that guy they wouldn't care about all this aaron Rodgers stuff period end of story right like if, if we, love was as good then the packers would just move on from aaron Rodgers. we we have darren here saying in the chat no way it's
2: far all over again but yeah I, I agree, and just to touch on that real quick, Angelo, the statistical probability of the Green Bay Packers having three back-to-back-to-back Hall of Fame-level quarterbacks is sub-1%. It's time for the Packers to have a shitty quarterback. I'm so ready for the Packers to have a shit quarterback. I'm not going to so lie.
1: They, if they get another Hall of Famer, I'm going to be kind of pissed. Like, right,
2: What are they doing up there in Wisconsin right. at that point? But yeah. You know, you know, realistically, it's statistically not probable that they are going to get another top-tier quarterback in Jordan Love. Right. And, again, if you were so sure of this guy, you wouldn't be going out and getting guys like Blake Bortles and, right. you know, other roster fillers. I They signed another quarterback,
1: too. Yeah, something like, like a, third stringer from another team. I don't know. I, I, think Aaron up, is, but...
2: I think Aaron Rodgers is as good as gone. I think... Uh, when he has to report and he doesn't, I think you'll see him traded. And I think you will see him traded to the Denver Broncos.
1: So if the Packers were smart, right, the Texans still want to trade Deshaun Watson. I'd be like, hey, I'll give you Rodgers and our first round draft pick next year for Deshaun Watson. Boom. Because then Boom. you get Deshaun Watson as the Packers and the Texans get Aaron Rodgers, and it'll probably piss him off, so he won't be happy either way.
2: Well, I'm not going to comment on that scenario, Angelo, yeah. because I, I want to see the Packers have a crap you're, quarterback.
1: You're right. You're right. So send right. him to Denver for Drew Locke and Jerry <laughs> Jerry Judy, and we'll call it a day. I like it.
2: And give us a – well, they'll get a bunch of picks in return, obviously, right. too. But, you know, I even if it's just for one year, what would – I would feel so much better as a Bears fan – to see Justin Fields come out in his rookie season and beat the Packers twice because they don't have Aaron Rodgers. Or yep. I would I would feel great if they do have Aaron Rodgers and he goes out and beats the Packers twice. Oh yeah, of how course. Would- obviously. I mean, how crazy would that be? We can sit and talk what ifs all day, but realistically, right. I'm just looking forward to seeing Justin Fields take the field, no pun intended, and I'm hoping that Aaron Rodgers isn't in our division come the start of the season but only time will tell real quick guys we're going to take a quick word from our one of our sponsors the white oak farm venue out in michigan city indiana honey will you marry me yes 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 let's get out of here
1: come to indiana's
0: premier venue come to the farm come see all the wildlife come to white oak farm venue in michigan city indiana Come to our 80-acre sanctuary right off I-94 in Michigan City, Indiana. Come see all we have to offer from two brand-new Amish-built barns with climate control. Come see the ponds with beautiful waterfalls, meadows and wildflowers, and so much more. Come see our secluded venue. After you enter our private road, you'll be in your own world away from it all with outdoor ceremony spaces, wood-fired pizza ovens, and lots of fresh air. Come enjoy Northwest Indiana's premier wedding venue, where you gather with your family and friends. Stretch your legs and enjoy the most memorable day of your life. Visit White Oak Farm Venue at WhiteOakFarmVenue.com or on Facebook slash Instagram.
2: All right, guys, and that was a quick word from the White Oak Farm venue. That's actually where our guy, Fat Mike, is going to be getting married. I think I might actually have to crash that wedding. Just kidding. I'm so happy for Mike and Megan, and hopefully uh, they have a great wedding, and it looks like a beautiful place. So if you're looking for a wedding venue, be sure to reach out to White Oak Farm. We got
1: everything people need here, right? You get married at White Oaks, then you call John for a house, and then you can call Mark Berardi when your marriage goes to shit. Boom. A one-stop and shop. That's where we are here at 1252 Sports.
2: And then you go to Nick and Ivy to drink your sorrows away.
1: Hell yeah. Boom. All connected. Four for four. <laughs> four for four. Uh,
2: real quick, guys, before we wrap the show up, I just wanted to touch on something. We, t- we said we were going to talk playoffs. There's one topic specifically that I want to touch on real quick, and that is LeBron James. I absolutely hate LeBron James as a basketball player. I shouldn't say hate. Hate's a strong word. I very much dislike his attitude and the way he presents himself towards the game. The other night, we saw him with six minutes left on the clock run to the locker room like a baby because they were being beaten so bad that he didn't want to stand there and watch the rest of the game and support his team. That is horrible. We got a comment here. Suns for the win. Absolutely. I love it. I love that the Lakers got eliminated in the first round. For one, because I think it finally, and I'll ask your opinion on this too, Angelo. I think this finally ends the GOAT debate, right? This finally ends that debate between, is he better than Michael?
1: So I got one question. Was Michael Jordan the best player on his team anytime he was on the floor? Yes. Okay. LeBron James, can you say the same thing? No. no. Not, he's not even the best player on the Lakers right now, clearly, because without Anthony Davis, that team is terrible.
2: I was going to say AD's the best right. player on that team, so, clearly. So I, That there series was about, over.
1: Right? That series was over the moment he walked to the locker room. They were not winning game 6. There was no way. I would agree. That team didn't want to deal with him. That's what happens everywhere he goes. He was in Cleveland the first time. That team got sick of him, went to Miami, right? You lose the first year, then you win one, and you win, you know, you win, win, and then you lose again. And the way you lose, you piss all your teammates off, leave, go to Cleveland, same thing, lose the first year, then you win, then you leave because you piss everybody off because you lost the next year, you know? And that's the thing is LeBron is a sore loser, and – the GOAT debate is done, period. It's over. I
2: personally, I agree 110%, but I would go as far to say, even if LeBron, which it's not going to happen, people, if LeBron went out and won six championships back to back to back tomorrow, it wouldn't change my opinion on that. I There's, don't here's care. Here's the real
0: question,
1: right? Do you see this Lakers team winning any more championships?
2: I don't. Not with a first round exit this year. No. I mean, you showed how one dimensional you are as soon as AD uh, went down, and to to show that to show that LeBron James is not even the best player on his team, as you said, ends that debate. Was I mean, you could say the same. There's a lot of other guys that I would put before LeBron James. I would put Kobe Bryant, rest his soul, before LeBron James. I I would because I'm biased because I loved watching him play as a player. I would put Allen Iverson in that argument before LeBron James.
1: LeBron is more of a Magic Johnson type. I talked we talked about this me and Mike on Wednesday. Like the comparison to Jordan that was all just made up because he c- crowned himself King James. You know, right. and yes, no one else did. I, Right, and I'm not going to say he hasn't been the greatest the greatest basketball player that's played the last 15 years because in reality he has been the most dominant basketball player. Right, and the dude's a fantastic human off the field or off the court, but like it it just goes to show like he's he's such a sore loser. You can tell just by what he does on the court. He's always complaining. He's always fl- looking for, like, an easy call. The you know, flops. Yes, the flopping. The flops fucking just, kill me. I can't yeah. do it. It's so ridiculous. Like, ugh. especially in this playoff, because we watched Kevin Durant go down in a game hard. Bounce right back up. Get right back up. And yep. finish the game. LeBron fell softly to the floor, and he acted like he got shot in the foot. He was on the ground forever, man. It was ridiculous. eighty
2: seconds or something. Yeah, crazy. I,
1: come on. He got poked in the eye. I get it. It sucks. Yeah, but what happened after he got poked in the eye? Right, he hit the game-winning three, and that's all he. Well, you know, I was seeing three baskets, and I shot for the middle one. Yeah, that's a, yeah, use that's it a, a rocky, rocky line, quote, yep. right? But like, and and then, for instance, this the losing here, right? It was never, well, we got to play better. It was, well, you know, AD's hurt and we're not really at full strength and too bad because if we were at full strength, I'd like to see what we – blah, 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 blah. You're the greatest right. player in the NBA. Like – or so you say. When when you claim that title, you have to be the aggressor, right? He knew <laughs> – Chubs. I love Chubbs. He knew that he was going to have to put this team on his back, right? Right. And he didn't. Instead, he walked out on this team. Period.
2: And that shows you everything that you need to know about LeBron James and his demeanor as a basketball player. Because Michael Jordan, not for one second, would ever do that to his teammates. Michael would ride, ride you until... You hated him, but then you'd love him the next night because you won the game by 20 points. I mean, Michael Jordan was the ultimate competitor. He brought other people up to his level. Right. And that's you know, that's something that I've said before is either you bring people up to your level or they bring you down to theirs. And I think in this case with LeBron James, he got brought down to the rest of the Lakers level because AD wasn't there to help bail him out. Right. But Mike Michael was such a dynamic player. I mean, the guy, the guy was nothing like we will ever see in modern day basketball. No. And that's fine. Obviously, the game's evolved. I, they're talking about adding a four-point field goal. Whatever, do whatever you want to do with NBA basketball. I'm game for it. Try to, if you want games to be two hundred to one fifty, I'm game for it. Whatever, I don't care. Chubbs here in the chat saying LeBron did his typical thing and blamed the loss on Anthony Davis. Just Absolutely. like when they
1: lost, the, just like when the Heat lost, he blamed it on Chris Paul being not too healthy, or not Chris Paul, Chris Bosh not being healthy. It's yep. the same narrative. The only thing his teams ever really get better at doing is learning how to flop, period. Everybody, <laughs> I, on his I would team, agree 100%. I feel like they spend an hour on that at practice. Like this is how you flop. This
2: is how you take yeah. a solid flop. Flopping so, much, so much so that NBA 2K put a flopping button on the game.
1: This that's year, ridiculous. I had no is. idea that it's that was It's
2: horribly true. ridiculous, but yeah, you can you can double tap the circle button and your player will take a charge.
1: Oh my god!
2: <laughs> I swear to you,
1: like right. you know, some athletes change the game. Michael Jordan, Devin Hester, hell, LeBron James has done it. Changed the NBA <laughs> 2K man forever. It's ridiculous. You will
2: forever have a flop button because yep. of LeBron James. I and then to wrap it up and get through our uh, rant here about LeBron, then he was talking about Space Jam, like almost immediately after he was blaming it on Anthony Davis not being there. Then he's like, "Well, you know, Space Jam's two's coming up." I
1: are you going to watch Space Jam two? LeBron, LeBron didn't go. I no. Mean, I mean, I might watch it just because I have kids and I'm sure they want to watch it. But no, I mean, put, Bugs put Bunny. In for who what? Who what? Kids nowadays know who Bugs Bunny is? Not many. Not, Not many. No, that's the thing. Back in our day, we knew who Bugs Bunny was.
2: Got a comment here in the chat. Yeah. In in the fourth quarter, last every shot the Lakers missed, whoever was under the rim, the Lakers just flopped to the ground, hoping it would get a foul call on
1: the rebound. I mean, did did you even see like? towards the end of that game, he stopped running back on defense. He just started yeah. walking the court. Like, like okay, so we all – You are a
2: professional.
1: Right. A lot of our guys that watch us listen to ESPN 1000, and I can't remember if it was Meller or Jeff Meller or Danny Zetterman that are on with Cap and Jay Hood, but one of them said something like, LeBron has embraced the role of being like the role model, right? He He's embraced that but then you're going to act that way. Like that's not, you're not showing good sportsmanship. And if you want to embrace a role model position, which, Hey, I still believe that if you have kids, you should push your kids to role model something yourselves or, you know, somebody else other than professional athletes. But right. If you're going to take that stance and be like, I want to be a role model for kids. How are you going to act that way when you're losing? Like,
2: Right. You have to be the total right. You have to be the total package when it comes to being a role model and right. LeBron James is not. I don't nope. My daughter's going to be 4 in October. If she grows up and plays basketball great, I don't want her to idolize LeBron James. That's right. You know, it's one of those things and again, our guy Chubb's here in the comments saying I think half his teammates hate him and the other half work for him because they're represented by Clutch Sports.
1: Yo, that's such a good point. I like it. That's such a good point. Because I think Anthony Davis is represented by Clutch Sports. He I'm is, pretty yes. sure. Yeah. He is, so, 100%. Like, LeBron, oh, six? I didn't know that. That's six crazy. players. That's but, absolutely so, like, wild. LeBron is to the point in his career, right, where he doesn't really need a coach. He's the coach, right? And – Right. I think the first person that's going to go is his coach. I think they're going to yep. fire Frank Bogle, which is kind of bogus seeing how he just won a championship. You're going to fire him a year later. Whatever. It's LeBron James. He'll bring in some guy that he wants, like he always does. But it's,
0: it. yep. let me ask you and this question. The real cycle quick. will
1: repeat. Go ahead. Right. So the bubble last year, right? There was a four month break between the end of the season and the bubble. Do you think if that bubble never happens that the Lakers win that championship? I don't. I don't Honestly, either. I, that gave four months to LeBron and Davis to to rest. I I don't think LeBron has that that next like go button that he used he to have. He doesn't
2: have that, that full speed in the tank that he yeah. can kind of turn on when he needs to anymore, for sure. Right. You've definitely like, you definitely see him play somewhat fatigued down the stretch yeah. of the season now and and it shows again not just in his attitude but just in how he's developed as a player as he's aged right. you know jogging up and down the court not wanting to play solid defense in the third and right. fourth quarters flopping to try to get a foul so he can get to the line and take a breath for a minute whatever the case is you know it's just it's one of those things where I, I like that take, Angelo. I do definitely agree. I don't think that we would see, we would have seen the Lakers win it last year had it not been for the break before the ball.
1: I, I really wish we had more time. I mean, I guess we kind of do have more time, but, you know, because we can control when it stops. We try to be done by 830. But, like, it makes you wonder, like, what's next for this Lakers team, right? Because... If you're looking at the current state of this Lakers organization, like the only really for sure pieces are LeBron and AD, right? And AD's proven he can't stay healthy. So, right. what are you going to bring in? Who's going to want to come and play with an aging LeBron and Anthony Davis that's never healthy? It's not like it used to be, right? Where when he went to Cleveland, he had just had, you know, some great seasons with Miami. He's coming back to Cleveland. Let's get a couple pieces and we're. Good to go. Like, this isn't that anymore. Like, you're not going to get a guy like Dame Lillard who's already on a team that's struggling and hurt all the time. Why would he right. want to come on to the Lakers? Yeah, true. I love Chubbs. Whenever he comes in, man, he's always spitting straight facts.
2: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Brings a great conversation to that's the right. show. That's right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, realistically, he's not going to be – I would say the Lakers are not going to be the team that's going to attract big names anymore. No. Any team that Le- LeBron James is on is not going to be the team that attracts big names. I mean, we saw it with Brooklyn, right? You got Kyrie. You got KD. I Personally, I just want to say I am a big Kevin Durant fan. I've always loved watching that guy. He's just – such a great three-level scorer. He plays good defense for his size, and he's a fun basketball Durant player too. to watch. Yeah, I mean, he's a fun player to watch. But you you go and look at that Nets team, you've got him, you've got those two, you've got Blake Griffin now as kind of a backup role. Uh, you know, just so much James Harden, obviously, even right. though I wasn't happy with the way he left Houston. You've got so much talent on that roster. Chubbs is saying Kawhi Leonard and Paul George went to the Clippers and they grew up Laker fans. That's how much they didn't want to play for LeBron. Absolutely.
1: I think now, that- I do want to say, man, Kawhi Leonard has really disappointed me in these playoffs, man. Like, you come to Los Angeles, right? And he made it a point to be the anti LeBron James. He went to the Clippers because he wanted to be the Clippers. We're better than the Lakers, right? That's what he wanted. And they have not lived up to that hype. They're going to get eliminated by the Mavs. And you got to look at that team and say, okay, well, two years in a row, you guys have underperformed. I wouldn't be surprised if that gets blown up also. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. I don't disagree, but also the Dallas Mavericks have Luka Doncic. Who who next
1: year will probably be the best player in basketball.
2: Yeah, Absolutely. I I would argue that he probably was the best player on a subpar team this year. I mean, I, other than other than himself and Kristaps Porzingis, who who do the Mavericks have that's a top-tier player? Nobody. And I would Kristaps Porzingis hasn't even been performing at a top-tier. So you've got literally Luka Doncic out there scoring 42 42- with a line like forty-two, seven and seven in a game, that's outstanding. I don't care yeah. who I don't care who you are. That's good basketball. So, how do the
1: Mavericks just draft all these European guys that are so good? Like, like Dirk and then Dirk now, and now Luka. Now that Dirk's yeah. gone,
2: you got Luca. I don't. Maybe it's some ties within the organization.
1: Chubb like Chubb's he here saying the Clippers, Clippers are. Yeah, uh, uh, listen, uh, Chubb's Like, I want to see Kawhi Leonard win because I like Kawhi. I like him as a player. I like, well, I didn't like how he left San San. Excuse me, San Antonio, Antonio. but I I just like the caliber of player he's shown to be. But I don't know, man. I don't think this Paul George thing is working. Um, I think Paul George is shown to be has shown that he's a guy who, on his own team, will shine because he's the best player on that team. But when it right. comes to having other players and pieces, he can't. Like we talked about, he can't elevate anybody. He doesn't make anybody no. better.
2: Our guy Darren in the chat saying Mark Cuban knows people. That's why. That's why the Mavs are getting all them European players. That's right. Maybe so, but you know, realistically, only time will tell. I'm excited to see how this series ends up between the Clippers and the Mavs. So should I, make for.
1: I don't I don't th- I think it's over, man. I think the Mavs went. Don't they play tonight? I'm pretty sure the Mavs and, and them yeah. played tonight. Or is that yesterday they played? No, they played last night. They did play last night. Sorry, yeah, you're right. Right. So it's not tonight that they play. No, they're playing but, right now. Yeah, they're playing right now. With well, Jesus. Well, I'm gonna have to check the
2: score on that one. It's
1: 26-24 Mavs right now. Okay. But well, competitive like, close game. So that's right. We'll we didn't even talk happens. about the East. We, this was all West. We didn't even talk about the crazy stuff in the East, man, but that's for another show.
2: That is That will unfortunately be for another time. But uh, real quick, guys, I want to thank everybody that jumped in here and was interactive in the chat with us tonight. Uh, really fun conversation going there, guys. We do appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you to all our sponsors, Nick and Ivy Brewing Company out in beautiful downtown Lockport, Illinois, Jonathan Darren team, uh, White Oaks Farm venue, as well as Mark Berardi. None of this is possible without you guys, so we do appreciate it. And to those that are listening to this on the podcast uh, version, once it's downloaded, we appreciate you as well. Thanks, everybody, and have a good night.